0: Blog Talk
1: Radio Hey, what up Q? What up Radio World?
0: My name is Quincy And
1: this is my show
2: The Talk to Q Radio Show It's almost like posting a blog Except I'm doing it live All over here. here Thank
0: you
3: for having me on your
0: show. So awesome to be here
3: with you and all your listeners. I ain't telling you, don't screw it. cool. Oh my goodness.
4: Oh, that came out. Oh, all
3: kinds of
5: freaky. That's not what i mean. Cool. You know, we need more shows like this because people need as much relationship help out here as they can get. Cool.
0: Cool. I was told that. Well, I am pro woman but I'm not anti men. I know the value of a good man.
3: Does that make sense? I like that. I'm gonna say that again. Come but... What's going on, man? What
4: up? What up? Thank you. Hey, everybody. Come
1: Hey. and every
3: single top come on come on come on come on is that it
2: what's going on people all right i want to welcome all of you to another episode of the Talk to Q radio show my name is Quincy and this is my show and tonight i have a guest on author Tommy Mabry and we'll probably get into a couple of other discussions after my discussion with him But let me explain how this show works for those who may be new to the Talk to Q radio show This show is a platform for you The callers, the chat room participants, the social networkers All of you have the opportunity to voice chat or tweet your opinions to me And be heard worldwide and completely uncensored Because here on T2Q, there are no experts, just opinions. Unlike most shows where you simply just listen to the host talk on and on, I allow you the opportunity to speak your mind. You can join my show legends each episode and discuss a wide range of things like relationships, current events, sports, politics, and more. This show is very informal by design because, let's face it, my style is very unorthodox in nature. The topics are random but they're relevant with what's going on in the world today. The call-in number to step on your soapbox is 347-202-0215, that's 347-202-0215. If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, simply hit one on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time, because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. T2Q radio show number 611 starts Right after these words from thecrystalshow.com.
5: This This wild thing. And you tuned in to the hottest show on the globe, The Crystal Show.
2: I
4: might get your song played on the radio station. I might get your song played on the radio station. The Crystal Show is back with great new musical artist interviews, great author interviews, get crystallized celebrity buzz, and all of the funny, entertaining insights that you have grown to love about The Crystal Show. Let's not forget about our great segment from a pimp perspective with Eminem himself. Stream the podcast that will air every Thursday and Saturday. Hit subscribe on thecrystalshow.com to stay up to date on the newest podcast. See you there, baby.
2: Thanks to TheCrystalShow.com If you like T2Q, you're going to love The Crystal Show Go over to TheCrystalShow.com and check her out Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on, on the Q Radio Show Alright, without further ado, I'll go ahead and get to my guest um, He is an author And his book is called A Dark Journey to a Light Future from the Magnolia State of Mississippi, please welcome Mr. Tommy M- Mabry to the Talk to Q radio show. Hey. Tommy, how are you?
5: Hey, man. I'm doing good. It's a pleasure, man.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time from your schedule to do the show. And we'll jump right to it. Um, you, you mentioned in your biography on your website that as a child, you knew right from wrong, but wrong seemed to follow you. What started you on the path that you initially took as a youth? Um, you know, how much of it was family? How much it was your environment?
5: I think I, I, what I'll say is it was a little mixture of both, but in a sense, because even though I, I come from a, a, a great family, I mean, I did know right for wrong, but as you know, parents can only watch kids for, for so long, Throughout the day, right. I mean, I was I wasn't taught to be the guy that I used to be. I mean, I I was based off what I knew growing up and what I seen in my environment. So
3: to this day, I always
5: say my environment is what made me. But you know how to you always hear the quote that say it takes a village to raise a child. But right. what if the village what if the village corrupt? And I say that as in if you want to if you want to find out more about a person and you see what they committed to and you find out the environment that, that surrounds them like my mentors growing up was the local drug dealers so my ideal of a mentor now is way different than what it used to be because I anything, anytime that I was connected to you growing up good or bad if I found something in you that, that attracts me I was going to do it so I come from a family with no one Finish high school and i'm a i'm the, the baby boy of six, so I didn't have a blueprint to 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 assess i didn't We didn't talk about college and all of the above in my house, so I got everything I learned from the streets and i what I thought was right at the time I was fighting for acceptance, so I went on from to many things in the neighborhood that you would see the older guys doing I was doing it at a young age. I was uh-huh. going to Houseburg, the Houseburgers. I mean, I was kicked out of seven elementary, seven or eight elementary schools. Before I even made it to middle school, I was already on that track, on that verge of what people call a thug or at-risk child. I mean, my first time getting locked up, I was in the fifth grade, breaking into the wow. state fairgrounds. So you really couldn't just tell me, <laughs> tell me nothing. I thought I knew all the answers. And only my ideal of
3: what success looked like at
5: the time was I know what drugs get you. I saw the acceptance that drugs get you. Like I I saw the, the hood thing that doing all the things, and I wanted to do it. I wanted that exact thing. So I was taught young how to do it.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So what happened that caused you to turn it around?
5: I was always told, "Well, something you want to mount to nothing,
2: you'll be just like your your father,"
5: and you know that those things is what I was accustomed to hearing. But as I look back, people can voice their opinions. Like I can't, I can't really tell you that you can't make an opinion of of me. It's what I give you to judge. And at that time, I really did. I really was giving people the the judgment that I wasn't going to mount to nothing. So did a lot of people stop me and say, Tommy, you can do this and you can do that and give me that little thing that that's bigger than money and that's hope. So that that, that little thing that's called hope is way bigger than money. So I didn't have hope or vision. I I met a guy, I mean, Shoquay Lumumba, the um the previous mayor of City of Jackson. Yeah. What he said was he gonna instead of telling me what I can't do. He's going to show me what I could do. And he put me on a basketball team with him, and I discovered the love of basketball. But before I give all the credit to him, I would have to reference God, because I look back now and I see I see how it was designed. You know what I'm saying? God was watching over me the whole time, and nothing I can do in this world. And I didn't know at that time, because I right. wasn't that, that biblical guy that I am now. So I didn't know. I didn't understand what God was doing for me, so at that moment, I couldn't. I wouldn't have referenced God at that time. I, I'm only mentioning it now because it make more sense to me. So, I started playing basketball. And I was kicked out of all the middle schools. I started getting tattoos at a very young age. I I wasn't the. I didn't have the school look. I didn't have. I was always considered as this thug because back then, like now tattoos, or, like everybody got them, but yeah. I was getting them, I'm, I'm 28, I was getting them since I was like 9, 10, 11, I was already put in that category of this thug, I I wanted the permanent gold tee, so I went and got them, because that that was the era I grew up in, like I, I used to see the guys riding around in a certain kind of cars, or they had a certain kind of image and I wanted that because I saw the applause they got. Sad to say that yeah. I saw the accept. I saw the acceptance, and I wanted that. I didn't want nothing about school. School wasn't my route because first of all, I didn't know. I didn't know what that'd get me. I know I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't see the success. I didn't. I didn't see the plaques on the wall from my family to say that they graduated from this and that. So I, that idea wasn't even didn't even register to me. So you ask what changed that I, I went on to middle school and I, I repeated eighth grade. I was um I was kicked out of over four middle schools in Jackson. Like I really wasn't that school guy. <laughs> but the thing that, that, that changed me was when I found, when I got committed to something. And when I got, like, whatever you committed to in life will either develop you or destroy you, but it will define you. You show me your crowd, I show you your future. So and, and, and instead of me telling you, okay, basketball changed my life, it was me starting to commit to something. And when I committed to basketball, I was like, well, I got to – people were telling me, like, man, you this guy good. I was traveling the world playing basketball now. Like, I was doing – I was good, and I was ranked in the country. I was averaging so many points a game, but I didn't want to do nothing about school. I just wanted the basketball part that come right. with it. And people would tell me, Tommy, you need a backup plan just in case basketball don't work out. And I'm like, man, I don't have a backup plan. Basketball is my only thing that I'm good at because that's what I thought at the time. But they was like, man, you in order to play basketball on the school level, you got to keep a certain GPA and you got to – I'm like, man, I just flunked eighth grade. Like, I'm not I'm not this school boy, but I wanted to play ball. And when I started surrounding myself with basketball players who wanted something, because I was playing AAU basketball where I was traveling the world, and I was having a conversation with ball players that go like, I'm going to play basketball at Mississippi State. I'm going to play basketball at Ole Miss. Or I'm going to play basketball at Duke. And I'm like, man, Y'all want this too much. Like, y'all want it bigger than me because I'm doing it for <laughs> extracurricular activity. Like, I'm doing it for the love of, I just like to play. I, I release anger that way. So, I started really seeing myself in that college level then because I'm like, man, if all my teammates doing this and I'm seeing guys that's actually going to the NBA, like Monte and Mo Williams, like from my neighborhood, I'm like, well, if I stick with this, maybe I'll go to the NBA. And that's why I kept doing it, like to see could I get my family out of the neighborhood because nobody else had not done it in my family, so I was the last hope. So basketball really is what, what geared me into going in another direction, but me getting committed to the church is really what molded me as this guy that I am today.
2: Okay, okay. And let me ask this just a little side question, I guess. When it comes to people who may be troubled youth, and especially inner city, is sports or are the arts the best way for someone to make out of a bad experience or a bad situation?
5: i say yes. And then i say, what if that guy is not a sport guy? And what if that guy don't have a, a certain talent? Talent. I, my thing is, you got to channel, you got to channel something else, but to get your mind off of that 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 dark road that my book talk about. See, I was on a dark road, but I was fortunate enough to have a gift to play basketball. There's a lot of kids that we see now don't have that, and it's up to us. That's why we talk about a village. When we say it takes a village to raise a child, like I always explain when I, I'm 28 but the conversation my mom and dad and grandparents will have with me was they'll tell me when they get in trouble, how the Sunday school teacher will whoop them before they even make it home or people in the neighborhood will hold hold them accountable. That's where the slogan, that's where the quote actually begins where it takes a village to raise a child because they understood if we uplift one another, then we can build a community. That's what it was about. It was united. Now, We'll see that happen. We'll see uh, one one our fellow um brothers get in a situation now and won't say nothing because we're so inferior of what like how society is now, like another my neighbor not about to whoop my my brother or or you can't go up the street and discipline this guy because you stemmed. and it's just totally different now, so it's up to us as a village to find out what that guy or that or that young lady could do. It's around those resources around them, because it's not about just sports. That was my way out. It's more than sports that they could channel. But if we never give them something to do, we don't have centers that they can go to and have people that are really bringing these resources in the city. Come on, man, what else we give them? <laughs> and that, and then, after that, we blame for the situation that they put themselves in, when they find their own recreation, when they find what makes them happy, what makes them unborn at the time, when they find out that, okay, well, I don't have nothing else to do. I'm about to start breaking the house. I'm about to find my own recreation. Now we blame them. But at the end of the day, they kids, they kids. they they kids. To me, they're ignorant to life. And ignorance is okay because that means you just lack knowledge. You just don't know. So it's not really the responsibility of a child to know how to be grown or to know how to get these things. It's us. It's parents. Like, I hold a lot of parents accountable. Like, can't just put all the, the, the trouble on just the kids and the community and the rappers and all the above. I'm big on parenting because, to me, it's up to your parents. Is up. It's like it's up to the community also, but the parent got to do more.
2: Definitely, definitely. All right, three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number. Press one if you want to ask a question to Mister Tommy Mabry. I already have someone on the line. I'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had plenty of role models and mentors along the way. How important are mentors, and what makes a good
5: one? That's a great question. Okay, once I want I once the ideal of a mentor, because I'm only I'm only able to answer that question because I, I've been through every kind of mentor. Okay. That's why I said it's a, it's a great question, and it's broad to me because my ideal of a mentor may not be yours, but I can explain that because me growing up, my ideal of a mentor was the person that was going to show me how to make money. And the person that gives me money or the person that that to me comfort me when I'm when I'm down. Now, that could be good or bad. That could be a good mentor or a bad mentor because T D Jakes once said if a person have your ear, they have your influence. So that means whatever I relate to you at the time of my struggles or my pain, you become mm-hmm. my influence, good or bad. If I'm if I bent to you, to me, you can you can direct me in any path. So uh-huh. now now that I understand life, a mentor to me is an accountability partner, somebody that will tell me no, somebody that will say. And my biggest mentor, one of my biggest mentors is my wife. And I don't think nobody really understands how much, but my wife is my accountability partner. She would tell me what I'm doing wrong. She's not scared to tell me that that's not right. And you need those people. I don't think a mentor is just a male figure. Like, a mentor is anybody that hold you accountable for your actions. Not only that, they inspire you to do something. So my ideal of a mentor is an accountability partner, somebody that will step up and, and tell you when you wrong, Because that's the only way we grow as individuals, when you listen to knowledge, when you listen to a wise person that. That been down that road before or not only been down that road They have your best interests at heart So if you find those And you surround yourself with th- those people Then those are your mentors Wow that's,
2: that's, a, that's a very powerful that's response <laughs> That's a very powerful response And uh, Alright let me go to the phone lines To the 910 area code The Tar Heel State Of North Carolina and welcome on my man, Bobby Willis. Bobby, what's happening?
1: Hey, what's going on, Q? And uh, hello to the guest. Hey, how's it
2: going? All right. right and, uh, do you have a question for um, Tommy Mabry? Actually, I didn't know you had
1: a uh, um, guest on tonight. I just called in to actually listen uh, since uh, once you said it, uh, I just decided to listen and see what you guys were talking about. So I don't have a question as of now. I'm just uh, paying attention.
2: All right, all right, that's fine. I appreciate that. Let me go to the five one seven area code outside the Motor City of Detroit and welcome on Crystal. Crystal, how are you?
4: Thank you. How are you?
2: Hello, Mister Mayberry. Doing well. Hey, are you doing?
4: Very good. I have a question um, and to get your insight on. As you were speaking about uh, the parents' responsibility and then the responsibility of uh, people around in the community for kids, I would like to ask, uh, how do you feel about, in the black community, most of the uh, mothers are single mothers, and for whatever reason the father is not around, the biological father. What do you feel about the responsibility of the mother's a boyfriend or a mate who is around these kids to help them grow and their responsibility to be there for them. That's
5: oh, I mean, to touch you Well, that is a great question, and that hit home to me because I'm not my my son' biological dad, but I'm his father. You, you you get me on that? I'm not his biological yes. dad. When I met his, when I met my wife, I had to play that role of a, and to me, and that was one of the biggest things for me
3: and for him. Because
5: now that I'm in his life, he learned so much from me. Like he honored me as his father. I'm not saying nothing bad about his own biological father, but I understood it. it you don't have to be the biological dad. To be that male figure in a child's life You can find And it's needed I, I applaud every single mom That's out there Doing that job But it really takes a male To show Kids uh, Your daughter or that, that son That loves if, if you give them 50% Then in certain parts of life That child's just not going to get So if you find a, a If you if you dating, and you really get to know this guy before you bring him around your kids, if you feel confident about, I can't say don't bring that that boyfriend around your child because I saw the impact I made. Just I was thinking when you were saying it, what if my wife had a not brought me around, then I couldn't have have blossomed that guy like I have done. So that was a great question. Did I? Thank
4: you. Yes, actually, you did. Thank you very much.
5: More than
2: welcome. Uh, All right. I appreciate that, Crystal. And so, Tommy, you know, most people need to get away from their environment in order to thrive and stay away from bad influences. You went away for college at first, but you found your way back in Jackson, Mississippi. Did you have any reservations about coming back and, you know, trying to avoid to reverting to the old, Tommy?
5: Dude, my book talk about anxiety.
2: <laughs> that,
5: man, that was a big for me because when you're accustomed to doing something for so long, you get to a point where you're you, you scared of change. And when I say you're scared of change, I really needed to get out of Jackson. I needed to find out how other people live. I needed to find out the, the bigger picture to life, and I wasn't getting that at the time because – if I had just stayed in Jackson, I would have just had a mentality the same way I had growing up. It took me to leave and realize that, I mean, you you great. I was amongst people that I probably wouldn't have never spent time with. I was the first person in my family to get a full scholarship to play. I, I was the first person in my family to get a scholarship, period. Let me tell you that. But... I have to say this before I talk about that part because I was shot in high school and all the things that I was doing at the time when people would tell me, Tommy, you need a backup plan just in case basketball don't work. I was shot Mm -hmm. my senior year. I was shot my senior year because I skipped school. Something just so simple. And I I felt like I I damaged everything that I worked towards. Like I was the only person to get my family out and I ruined it because I skipped school. And the doctor told me I'd never play basketball again. Something just so small as me leaving, the, like not going to school, I jeopardized my entire life. I prayed, committed to the, the Bible at that moment. I knew it was time for me to change because I couldn't right. do and I wasn't a school guy. I had a 1.8 in high school, a 1.8. So when I prayed and I asked God to forgive me and and show me another route, he did, and I got committed to the church, and to that to this day, I have never backtracked from that point, point. and he got me back on the port. He was the only person. He did something to me that man could, but I knew at that moment that was it. Like, I almost jeopardized everything, so, yes, when I got to college, I was like, that's the best thing I could have done because I got a full scholarship to Missouri State, and I'm like, man, I got my escape route that we was just talking about. Like it allowed me to get out of Jackson. I needed to get out of Jackson not just for for to play basketball, but I had to mature. I had to see how other people were living, man. And I was getting around a different culture of people. Missouri State had fifteen blacks in the entire town, and the rest was white. Wow! And I I'm, I come in with this image with gold and tattoos, man.
3: It was it was kind of
5: <laughs> it was it was weird, man, but. I needed to be there because what I found out when I went to Missouri state, a lot and social media make this so big and I don't want to really just touch on this, but I used to, I came from an environment where we didn't see white people. So right off I said, man, those those white people not going to like me. They not, man, I met some of the best white people in the world. And what I found out is every white person, not bad. And every black person, not good. Right. So i and, and I, the same way people were judging me growing up, I was judging them but because I wasn't accustomed to it. But when I got there, I, understood, I, grew, man, I grew as an individual. I needed that. So when I finally came back to Jackson, but I had a why when I came back to Jackson. And I feel like in order for you to make it, you got to have a why because that why push you when you can't push yourself, that why give you that edge you need, that when you're ready to quit, you go back to why you do it in the first place.
3: You go to right. that
5: thing because it's going to get tough. Adversity going to kick in. But when you can go back to, okay, what was the real reason I pursued this career? Like, why mm-hmm. am I doing what I do? That pushed you. So when I made it from Missouri, and I'm like, man, I can do the school route now because at first I thought I never studied before. I ain't never known. I never did the school route. But I knew, man, I just was shocked i the made it to college, man. I can't go back to Jackson like that. But I found out this, man, and this this is big to me. In order to get something you never had, you got to do something you never did, and you got to become a person you never been. So with that said, I knew in order for me to get something I never had, I got to change now.
3: That's the right. desire.
5: That's what you need. Now I got to do something I never did before, and I became a student athlete. Not only that, I, came a, I, I became an educator. Like, I became a real scholar. The reason why I was supposed to be in college anyway, I took the the education part serious. It wasn't even about basketball no more because I understood the basketball stopped bouncing for me already. Like, when I was shot, I couldn't play ball no more. So I know that that could happen again, but I wasn't going to get the same results this time. If the ball stopped bouncing this time, I'm going to have something to fall back on. So when I did come back to Jackson to play, I played at Tougaloo College. When I came back, I said, man, I'm going to take everything that I learned. I'm a different time in the now. I'm a different guy from when I left here. I'm about to really give back to these kids in my hometown. To show them, man, I was the one that didn't supposed to make it. I was the one people said that couldn't do this and that. Now I'm playing on a college level. I'm like two years away from getting a degree. I said, man, I got a body for the tattoo, I got gold teeth. Not only that, I'm not even making that as an excuse. I'm I'm performing on the same level as the, the other guy sitting next to me. If not that right. so I got the same opportunities as everybody else. That's when I discovered I'm great. And I brought that attitude back when I came when I came back to play basketball.
2: Man, that is great! So many people need to hear this. This is this real talk right there. And um, let me go back to the phone lines to the six six one area code, Southern California. Welcome on, Robin. Robin, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Q? How are you, Tommy? Hey, how you doing? Doing great. I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, I'm was so excited to see that you, the two of you connected. And cute that you got Tommy onto the show to share his message because his story is pretty incredible. Um, I think that uh, many young athletes need it, and that to make sure we're getting the message out. So I thank you too for having this young man on the show.
5: Robin, thank you so much for making that connection. Also.
0: No, no it's, it's my pleasure. I do have a question for you, though, if you don't mind. Yes, ma'am. What advice um, do you give to young people now? Because I know that you are now a mentor yourself. So what advice do you give to young people, especially young athletes, um, now about pursuing their dreams and um, going to college versus – you know, graduating high school and then going straight to the um, job market?
5: I tell them, and that's a great question, listen, I give them so much, like I, I feed them so much information. I'm trying to find one powerful thing that I actually tell them because when I get that moment, I would sit there and talk to a kid all day, and so I really feel like that he got it. But the most um, powerful thing that I would tell him is to be themselves and I tell them to discover that gift, that gift that God gave everybody. Like I'm not Lil Wayne. I'm not none of those rappers that 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 I once tried to be. When I found out that Tommy Mabry was great, that gift that God gave me, that ability God gave me, I let kids know you can't waste that. Like you, you are great, regardless if you see it or not. So. You limit yourself by the things you do. If you don't feel that you can be great, you will never be great. If you don't hmm. feel that you have the ability to do this and that, you will never do it. Only thing that comes to a sleeper is a dream. If you can't see yourself outside of your environment, you can't see yourself in college. You can't. You will never accomplish that. So my mm-hmm. advice to them here is simple: you're great. You have what it takes. But until you stop being lazy, and when it gets hard, you quit. Because that's what we do as individuals. If we don't see how we're going to accomplish that, and it gets hard, we quit. Because we never fought adversity before. We don't understand that if you keep – I would accept failure all day. You, I'm not worried about failure. Because I know with failure is experience. I'm going to learn from every experience. One day I'm going to be great at it. I'm willing to pursue that. And I try to tell kids that if you just stop quitting and you just give it everything you got and you pursue it, you're going to be good at it. But that's easier said than done. So I try to explain to them their worth first. Like you worth more than what you give it. You only get 24 hours in a day. Your success is dependent upon how you use the 24s. If you just sleep 16 hours, that's what you get if you quit every time it gets hard, it's input and output. You're going to get that. So that's the kind of advice that I give them.
0: And then how do your, your students respond to you? Because you still have the tattoos, right? Right. What about the gold teeth?
5: I don't have the gold teeth anymore.
0: <laughs> but so how do your students respond to you?
5: It It's, it's weird, but they respond to me in a, a way that I don't think – You will never probably understand the when I speak at a place and I'm like when I'm there, I don't never see kids move. They they so tunnel vision because they want this information because I look just like them. I come Mm -hmm. from the same environment as them. A guy once told me, "He said, man, you know your your testimony and your speech would mean more than a um, a Lil Wayne or some somebody that." A, a professional or a, a celebrity speech. And I asked him, I said, why well, that's a bold statement. He said, because a lot of people ain't been where you've been. You're going to cover more ground than a lot of people because when they see you and they see your story, then they feel like they can do it now. When I go places, they say, man, this guy got the tattoos, he, but when he talks, he articulate. Like, he can. he's intelligent. He have a degree. He has two books. He's the CEO of his company. Come on now. I got this. They feel like he I can do it too now, regardless of what I look like, because I let them see what I look like. And I only do that because I want them to understand. I didn't Google this. I didn't get this on paper. Like I lived this. I'm so passionate about about it. Like I'll probably be raising my voice now. I'm so passionate about it because I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about mm-hmm. what I've been through. So if you're not listening, I mean, you know, you, you, you're not trying to learn. Or you you scared of knowledge. You're to that point because you just don't want it. That's how I look at it. And those kids, those kids love me every time I'm speaking. Like, they give me the utmost respect regardless of what I look like.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right.
2: I appreciate it, Robin, and and thanks for making the connection as well.
0: Absolutely. All
2: right, a couple more questions, Tommy, and we'll get you out of here, man. Um, A Dark Journey to a Light Future, Um, that's the book you've written. And what do you want people to get from your book? What I want people
5: to get from my book is, first, I want to always educate them people, not just kids, because my book is for not only just kids. I want to inspire people to read, because you have a lot of it. If you read, it's so much stuff you find out that you didn't know. That's the first concept. I, I, the reason I wrote the book in the beginning was because I love to speak to kids, but if I, was, I could be speaking in Jackson, but it's a kid somewhere else that needs to hear me. And I said, what's the best way of me doing it? Like, I love rap music. I'm not taking that away from kids. I love rap. And what I notice about rap is a lot of guys tell their testimony through rap, regardless of the way they do it. They tell you their experience and the things they've been through, and they can relate it. I can't rap, and I'm not trying to, but I can put that same stuff. I can put my testimony in a book. Now I can get you to be inspired, and I don't have to be there. One of my biggest accomplishments is when I leave this earth, my message is still here. I can live forever through whoever read my book and be inspired by it. I can still live on through them. So what I really want them to get from that that book, a dark journey to a life future, is not an expiration date on success. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you failed. Yeah, you did all these all these things, but. Is, is is light on the other side of the tunnel if you just have faith. If you just have faith and walk with God and commit yourself to something. Better days than what you had. It's a turnaround. And it's proven testimony. That is a real story. My life has been a real story and I said this book is gonna inspire kids around the world and not just kids, adults too. So since we're talking about, can you yes. Yeah. Since we're talking about that book, and what I did was my second book was If Tommy Can Do It, We Can Do It, my children's book. And what I said to myself was, okay, you're not too young. Kids are not too young. that can't be inspired. The most important years are that, that first and third grade. Like I said, how could I inspire the younger group? Because that book, a dark journey to a life futures, middle school and high school and adult read. I I said I'ma I'ma convert that book into a children's book and I'ma become a cartoon. I'ma be I'm gonna be that guy, that new hero. I'm gonna be mm. I'm gonna give these kids I'ma give these kids nothing against Charlotte Webb, nothing against the three pigs. But the three pigs in Charlotte Webb, no disrespect to they can't help my community. They can't yeah, help that that I see every day. I wanted to give them a real story and something that they could that could really help them, like somebody like they see every day, because I am a hero. I want them to see that. Like I want them to see something that they could really take home and say I can relate to him. So what I did was I turned myself into a cartoon so I can inspire the younger kids. I wanted to give them something relatable,
2: and that's why I did it. That's what's up, Tommy. It seems like you're, you're hitting everything. What about what about women? Can women benefit from the book as well, A Dark a dark Journey to a Light Future? Yes. That that book is not just
5: from a – even though it's from my life, it, it, it's young ladies go through the same thing that I went through. The message is, that's in the book is not for just a, a male. It talks about your struggle and how to change that – and how to become something. That book is for everybody
3: because everybody
5: have a story. Everybody have gone through something. Is is young ladies and is women around the world right now are going through some of. And if they're not going through it, they know somebody that's going through it. They have kids yeah. of themselves. You know what I get the most? My audience is is more adults now, because when I finish talking, adults now can go back and say. That's what I needed my son in here. I always get the head where I go. I wish my little boy was here. I wish my daughter was here, like they need to hear you, but what they what it, what they take from it they go back home and and not give them hope to not give up on their kids or not give up on their nephews or somebody right. that they know and that message just keep passing on because I done had so many parents to tell me how much I have done for them, and they and I done had parents to tell me how much. Now, they understand that if they don't give up, because a lot of parents have given up because they don't have the resources. But when I speak and they hear me, I had a lot of parents that say, now I have hope. Like I read your book, now I have hope not just for myself but for my kids. And that's bigger than any dollar, any money, amount, any kind of money to me, that's big. That's bigger than life
2: to me to hear that. Absolutely, man. That is, that is great. Um, I mean, just listening to the story itself, um, it's an, it's an amazing story, but I I also know that it's real life for so many people here in Jackson and across this country Um, where what you went through affects a lot of people today that don't have a clue of how to turn things around. Like you said earlier about being ignorant, you don't know any better so you don't know that there are other opportunities out there. So I think it's great that people are able to hear your message and learn that okay, this guy is just like me, and he made it. Why can't I do? It? And I think right. man, what you what you're doing, man, is, is 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 awesome, for lack of a better phrase. So, where can people find the book? How can how can hey, we get our hands on?
5: It? My website is www. TommyMabry. Com. My social media is Arthur Tommy Mabry. You can get my book from Amazon, Bars and Noble. Or you can, you can reach out to me again on my website, which is com. my social media, Arthur Tommy Mabry.
2: Okay. And that's T-O-M-M-I-E, right? Correct. All right. Well, A Dark Journey to a Light Future. Um, I'm calling on all of my listeners to check out the book. You know, we we support people who don't know us, who we don't know, rather, all the time. So many of us will rush out to buy Jordans. We'll line up to buy a video game. But when someone from our hometown does something positive, we don't pay attention until they end up on Steve Harvey or or Jimmy Kimmel or something. (laughs) And it's time for us to be the catalyst that propels the homegrown talent to the next level, instead of waiting for outsiders to do it. So I, 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 you know, want everyone to support your own, okay? Uplift your own and push them to that le- next level instead of being bystanders and ultimately bandwagoners and waiting on them. You know, we love to claim Oprah now that she's gone on, uh, had to go to Chicago to get famous. We love to claim David Banner here in Jackson, Mississippi after he went to Atlanta to get famous. Don't wait, you know, be the wow. catalyst that push people to the next level. TommyMabry.com. T O M M I E M A R Y.com. Tommy, I appreciate you taking the time to do the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Anytime,
5: man. Thank you so much.
2: Most definitely, man. I hope we can do it again. And um, I'm going to have to check out that book for myself, man. I will be getting a copy for myself this week. Hey, God bless, brother. All right. Thanks a lot. And we appreciate Tommy taking the time to do the show this evening. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back to one more topic and to wrap up the show.
4: Hi, this is Aaron Anderson of the Marriage and Family Clinic at RelationshipRx.net, and you're listening to the Talk to Q radio show, no expert, just opinion.
2: 247 is 215 the number I'm going to talk to you ready show Welcome on Crystal Get her back on And Crystal one quick topic before I wrap things up And um, Something I saw In your Facebook group And you can tell everybody what's your Facebook group So people can find it
4: uh, The Facebook group is uh, The Crystal Show featuring Dre And they can just search that And join the group
2: Okay, and you posted a picture of the newest Sports Illustrated with Caitlyn Jenner on the cover. So now yes. we have the whole uh, transgender, gender identification type of thing, I guess, that's now coming over into sports. And I wanted to ask you, I definitely wanted to get a woman's opinion on this, but over the past couple of years and really over the past few months, I've come across stories where people who were born men and now identify as women or are transgender are participating in women's sports. And there've been some people in track and field, especially who, you know, were born men and they're dominating the sport that was, you know, that is for women. Now I want to ask your opinion on that. Do you think that is fair. I mean, you have some people who say they don't mind because they're kind of the uber feminists, I guess, and you know they believe men and women are equal, and, and I get all that. But do you think that is fair for someone who was born a man to participate in a woman's sport?
4: No, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Mainly because even though you snap off your penis and you um you know have snap on some breath doesn't make you a woman. And um there are plenty of women who are very strong and you know and everything, but I think that you are you're still a man. Your makeup and your body makeup is still a man and you are stronger. Now if they wanted to have a separate League for transgender um, athletes, then fine, okay, uh, that will be that will be fine. But I, I really don't think they should be able to participate because to me it's similar to if you are female or male or whatever, and you decide that you're going to take steroids. And for women who take uh, well steroids, which is basically testosterone, if you take that. um and you become stronger, well, that's illegal because that is an unfair advantage on everybody else. That's why they don't, they don't allow that. So to me, it's like the same thing. I put it in the same basic category, except the only thing is that your testosterone was given to you uh, when you were born as opposed to right. taking it with a pill. So, no, so I don't think it's fair.
2: What about the people who argue because there are some people who would say, well, Q i like to see you get out on a track and race Allison Felix um, or, or one of these Olympians and everything. And Allison Felix could run the track twice before I could once, but isn't it different when you actually train and go through some of the same regiment as the other women? I mean, as opposed to someone like me who's coming off the street? Um,
4: I'm not really understanding the question you're asking if, someone who I, I is guess. a transgender decided to play in the sport.
2: No, I mean, there's some you're people who say that just because just because you're a man, you should you can automatically be better than a woman in a particular no. sport, but I'm saying that's not the case. No. I can get a, I couldn't run an, with an Olympic woman. There's no way. Right. But it's different with someone who t- is actually training to do what she does, but they still have the strength of a man. Is what I'm saying.
4: The thing is, is when you are, if you, first of all, A, if you're going to be an athlete, you're an athlete. That means you are training for that particular sport. Now, um, someone who is training for that sport, if they're transgender, then they're training, and they're, like I was saying, their body is still a male body. And, um, and that's why we have two separate people. So we have two separate sports. We have the female sports and the, and the male sports. And for that very reason, of the of the physicality of of male and female, so it's, you're you're not coming off the street. You are a transgender person who has decided, okay, now I'm going to run, and or to compete. And okay, so well, since I identify quote unquote with female, I'm I'll I will be over here on the female team. Um, no, I don't think that's fair, and. And I don't think that um, you're not necessarily equal. Um, You're completely different body makeup. Right. And and like I said before, there are plenty of women who are very strong. And and maybe there's, you know, women who can, you know, fight with the best of them or whatever or compete with the best of them as far as males. But that doesn't make you a man. And, And so, you know... Feminist card and all. No. And I would call myself a true feminist because I believe in females, not males who want to be a female. Not, you know, I mean, that's just how I, you know, I
2: roll. <laughs> I right. Okay. So you had Caitlyn, the cover of Caitlin Jenner on Sports Illustrated um,
3: mm-hmm. in your
2: group. And what are your thoughts on on Caitlyn Jenner, I guess, and then the whole Sports Illustrated cover thing? Well,
4: first of all, I have I take issue um, with Caitlyn Jenner, uh, and I don't I'm not going to say it is necessarily all of her fault, but she has been getting lots of uh, attention for being a woman. She's got quite a few accolades. For being a woman that I really don't feel That should be hers Um, And I'm sorry I cannot name the actual award she got But there was What was the um, the,
2: um, It was the the ESPY award For something wasn't it Like um, woman of the year or something Right After I asked courage award I remember that
4: I I don't agree with that and I don't agree with um I really don't agree with the sports illustrator ad. She's not a woman. I mean, I, mean, I mean okay. I mean no. I mean I mean okay. First of all, a, if they want to, you know, the sports illustrator has basically always had women on their mm-hmm. on their cover. So to to put her on the cover is like saying, okay, now we we show her as a, as a woman. Um, for Sports Illustrated, since I don't read it and you know, I'm not really that much into sports, if they want to do that, fine. I, I would actually want to know how men would feel about that. But my problem is, is less about the Sports Illustrated cover than about the fact that she has been awarded and championed for lots of things that women are already doing. And there's plenty of women who could probably win the award. I think she's taking, they're taking away accolades and awards from, from women who are in sports and women who are um, strong. I mean, as opposed to um, putting her on there, I just, I just don't agree with some of the things that have been um, given to her during this time. To me, it's just a, it's just, it's a bunch of crap, you know. It's not even real. But in the meantime, you know, the focus is, is getting away from women and going to a man.
2: I agree with you 100%. I, um, is, is my perspective. I remember Bruce Jenner growing up. I mean, he was one of the first Olympic heroes. And mm-hmm. since the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing has come along, I haven't really paid much attention. I mean, I did watch some of the little 2020 special or whatever that was. But after mm-hmm. that, I really didn't really pay attention because to me, the whole thing was kind of pushed on the country and it wasn't organic. And I think maybe that's what you're you're talking about. We have a lot of people, like to me, what Tommy Mabry is doing is organic. He is, I, I guess, like taking the approach of, this is my life. I'm putting it out there for people and he'll grow as his story grows. But when I look at Caitlyn Jenner, this is something that almost seems manufactured and marketed and put in front of me as almost like some type of product essentially. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it hard, makes me it makes it hard for me to take it seriously coming from the reality show thing. And the, the, the TV specials, and because I'm thinking to myself, okay, yes, you are um, an Olympian, one of the greatest Olympians this country has ever known, all right? That was 40 years ago. What have you done to deserve the accolades that you're getting now, um, other than just admitting that you feel like you should be a woman? And then what makes you different than the other thousands of people across this country who have done the same but maybe weren't Olympians? And so that's what makes me not really care because it's almost like a branding thing. You you are a product and you're not organic. And that's why I can't take it seriously. You know,
4: well, it'll be totally is,
2: different. Is this, I'm sorry?
4: No, I was just oh, you can continue your thought.
2: Now, I was going to say it would be totally different and this is someone that was, was Joe Blow from down the street who started this movement and you know, change the whole landscape for the LGBT community from a grassroots effort as opposed to being pushed onto us um, like Bruce Jenner was. Bruce Jenner to me is no different. Caitlyn Jenner is no different than an iPhone to me.
4: Well, I, you know, to speak to Bruce Jenner and, you know, um, I agree with you regarding if he, you know, there are plenty of uh, women, um, you know, the transgender women who have come out and who have changed their life and who have made many strides and have worked very hard and um, through their struggle, and none of them has gotten as much accolades as as, as um, Caitlyn. Now, I would say just from watching. Uh, Caitlyn. And I watched not just um, the 2020 special, but I watched um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians before all this even broke and I watched a little bit of the uh, I Am Kate several episodes of it. And what it appears to me and this is of course just my opinion um, but what it appears to me is that Caitlin or Bruce, before he became Caitlyn, mm-hmm. I think he was um, quite jealous of Chris and the girls. Um, similar to uh, Rob Kardashian, who is the brother, and um, they reacted in completely different ways, not saying that um, Bruce did not have these feelings all along, but um, for a man to... Decide that he was going to change his sex at this point um, in his life, you know, in his sixties, right. kind of gives you pause, uh, because, and he's also claiming that he's not really, um, well, and of course, you know, um, sex has really nothing to do with, with the, the gender change, but just some things that I've I've just observed from him before during and after makes me believe that um, this was a way for him to be noticed again, because you're right, that was a very long time ago. And people still honor him um, for the things that he did as, you know, Bruce Jenner and an Olympian, because they were, of course, amazing. But that was a long time ago. And being around in a family, being married to a woman who um, became more famous than you and their children, especially Kim, of course, becoming extremely famous, then you are smack dab in the middle of it with cameras on you, but you are still barely recognized as Bruce Jenner. You are recognized as the husband and or the stepfather of the Kardashians. So that's got to, you know, do something to your mind a little bit and your ego as a man. Um, And then to me this was kind of the way that he decided, I'm going to show all of you and I'm going to be a better woman than you guys ever were. You know? mm. and you know he almost mm. kind of proved that because he came out and now he's winning awards for being such a great woman yes. um, so I don't know that's just my thought and like I said from the one uh, a person who has watched the shows from you know since the beginning almost so I have watched him and I've watched his um, I knew they were going to divorce at some point because his demeanor was very obvious that he was not um, happy um, and now you can say, well, he wasn't happy because he was a woman and was wanting to be a woman. But I really don't think that was it. I just think it was just with any man and the men who come into the family, um, you need a very strong ego in order to survive. Quite
2: frankly, and Kanye.
3: No,
4: so, yeah. well, well Kanye's crazy anyway, so whatever. <laughs> you can't blame you can't blame I mean, that on the Kardashians.
2: Very interesting perspective for someone who's in the know. I um and I've stated on this show before, I do not care for the Kardashians at all, but I so admire their marketing abilities. Kim, I, I would give them credit. Kim and Chris, and I guess you can throw Caitlyn in the mix, are marketing geniuses, and I will never take that away from them, even though I think Kim and Chris, you know, don't really have a real talent aside from marketing but I got to give them credit because they have turned this thing into a huge industry. I've got to give them credit. I will never take that away from you. And one last thing on the topic, uh, Crystal, you know, I've talked to people who have complained about being put in a box when it comes to their gender. So for someone who may identify as one thing, I, I mean, can you really settle? Do you have to settle on being a man or a woman? Isn't it time to officially make a third gender?
4: Well, it looks like they've already have done that. I mean, that's what I mean, like where we have
2: the... third bathrooms and third categories and competitions where we have a third gender category, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, well,
4: I think we're moving we to that point. I think we're moving to that point of androgynous type of um, society. Um, Uh The no gender um, kind of tagline has been one that's um, been used in the LGBT community uh, quite a bit and kind of the outskirts of or the fringe (laughs) of to say, um, you know, I'm not a gender. I'm not, I don't identify with male or female. I'm just me or whatever. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I I see that that it's going that way. But I really think if they're gonna um, do things like the bathrooms and and you know other types of identity thing, I think that um, having a gender because it's already on some applications and some things where you know you can check. I don't identify male, female, or other, or you know I don't identify or whatever that's already on there. So, you know, it's already kind of seeping into society already. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, tomorrow zone coverage that's coming on tomorrow. We'll discuss a few sporting topics. Um, Get into last week's boxing match between Keith Thurman and Sean Porter. It was a great fight. And we'll talk about some off-season stuff in the NFL, maybe the NBA. That's tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern as Zone Coverage returns to T2Q. And the talk to q radio show will be back on next Tuesday with current event and relationship topics. Final thoughts. And, Crystal, I have to ask you, and I think you did a podcast on this tonight um, over at thecrystalshow.com, about the speech that Jesse Williams gave at the BET Awards um, on yeah. Sunday night. It was for those who haven't had it You can basically find it anywhere um, I'm not going to play it here It's a pretty lengthy speech But what were you thinking When you saw the speech and you listened to it And I'm pretty sure you've heard it more than once What was your reaction?
4: Well um, First of all I wasn't that surprised That he would do that He's been He's actually been very vocal for years Yes uh, So uh, you know, giving him, and which, you know, which is, of course, why he won the Humanitarian Award, because he's very vocal. But um, I agree with what he had to say. Um, I, I what I, I think what I want to, something I just, literally just read uh, right before the show, your show, um, someone uh, had posted that people were coming out saying that He's not black enough <laughs> to make those statements, or and that he um, was only given given the floor um, simply because you know of the way he looks, and I thought that was horrendous. And of course, it's coming from blacks; it's not coming you know from anyone else. And you know that you know that really pissed me off. And I you know I wish I had a saw it before I did my show so I could have added that in there. But it really pissed me, pisses me off because I hear stuff like that all the time. And that's really what he was talking about. He was talking about how we, you know, we have to stop this ridiculousness and you have to become focused and um, not give up um, the struggle and the fight. It's not over. And that's really what he was talking about. It's really not over. But we, as a as a people, as a race, we tend to, and he didn't mention this in his speech, you know, regarding the crabs in the barrel kind of a situation, but we tend to have that, and we still have it in our mentality, and that is destroying whatever unity that we could possibly have, and that is really the core problem that no one has ever, you look at other races, and you say, well, why does this race get um, reparations or why did, you know, things seem to work out for them, blah, 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 whatever. Or even the LGBT community, why are they getting, you know, all these laws passed? Well, it's called lobbyists. It's called unity. It's called um, being a force to be reckoned with. And you can't do it in splinters, which is what, you know, the black community basically has. It's splintered. Um, you have, yeah, you have the, you know, Black Lives Matter people over here, but they are, you know, a younger generation who kind of squawked at, um, you know, like an Al Sharpton and their older generation and how they do things. And instead of coming together to, cause it's all really for the same cause, you know? And so it's, you know, so I really did enjoy what he had to say. Uh, I mean, um, it was very powerful and people were very uh they stood up for it and everything and I don't think he degraded anybody in what he had to say, but he was really speaking to black people to say yes. you can't continue to just be willy nilly about crap or you can't continue to say, Oh, well I'm gonna get mine basically and y'all get yours and I'm you know, it's okay because I'm rich or whatever it's still a struggle and it's still a fight and you can't be pacified. So so yeah, no, it was really it was really good, it was very inspirational, but it's something that, you know, he um he definitely believes in. And, you know, I really didn't like the fact that they called him um the next um Harry Belafonte. Uh, I I'm like, well, Harry Benafonte was who he was, and yes, he was very good, but he's another person. And, and I think and the only reason why I say that is because they're really looking at it maybe because of the way he looks, you know, and, and looking Probably. at it also because he, he's an actor. But, um, but it's, much, it's beyond that, and that's what I'm saying. It's beyond that. You have to stop looking at light Skin, dark skin, we're all black, and it's not just. Um, and I've said this many times: not African American, it's blacks in America, descendants of slaves. That's what we're talking about. We're not just ta- we're not talking about anybody else. We're talking about us, and you have to be focused in on that. So, right. so I thought you know what he had to say. Hopefully, it's not just going to be a sound bite for him. We know it's not because that's who he is. But for everybody else, I hope you know. People can come together, and it's not going to just be this thing that happened at the BET Awards. <laughs> I'm,
2: a, I'm afraid that it's going to be, but let's hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. Let me bring in Buck from the 850 the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola. How's it going, Buck? What up, what up? How's
1: everybody doing this evening? How you doing, Crystal?
2: Hey, Buck. Doing well. And, and I wanted to add, Crystal, that I thought that the fact that Harry Belafonte is endorsing him means a lot because now you got older people who are oh, paying yeah. attention. Um, oh no, absolutely. So I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I've, I've listened to Jesse Williams over the last, you know, maybe I say a year and a half or so, but he's been popping up on MSNBC and some other places. And I don't always agree with him. Well, let me take that back. There's maybe one or two things that I, I can't recall off the top of my head I remember that I thought he was kind of off base. But the comparisons that I will make to him to him as far as Harry Belafonte is that Harry Belafonte put his career on the line as well. The only difference is back in the 60s, Harry Belafonte put his life on the line for some of the stuff that he did. Uh, if you're bailing Martin Luther King out of jail and you're traveling through the south with Martin Luther King, you're putting your life at risk because things were a lot more um, people, were a lot more lynchy back then in the sixties. But uh, I, I want to give Jesse credit because he is putting himself out there to where he may be unpopular with some sponsors or supporters of his career. And he's okay with that. And I think that is cool. And my thing is a lot of people, A lot of celebrities may not want to take that approach because they're afraid of the money that it costs them. And I'm okay if you want to make your money first and then after you have $25 million in the bank or whatever, speak out and become um, an activist or whatever it is it takes. I'm cool with that. But you have some people who have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, don't want to risk a dime of it because the millions and millions of dollars that status is more important to them than their own people. And I think he spoke to them on Sunday night and hopefully it resonated with some, of course, everybody's going to stand up, but there's some people out there like, man, you know, that's you. I'm not doing it. And I mean, everyone can't be an activist, so to speak. Everyone can't be a great speaker and all that. And I get that, but there are ways to help further the black cause and a lot of people need to stop, start doing it, stop looking at sh- skin tones and shades of color, and just recognize that if it benefits you, then shut up and let it benefit you. But, uh, Buck, did, did you have any comments on, uh, I don't know if you saw the speech Jesse Williams made on Sunday night? I heard a little bit of it. Um,
1: some, uh, I hadn't yet see it in its entirety. But, uh, I'm sorry, I can man. barely hear you. I did not get a chance to see it. Um, I did hear some of it, um, uh, but I had not, hadn't had heard all of it in its entirety. But um from what I what I gather it's been a great speech. And uh it's good that somebody's actually standing up, you know, standing up for what they believe in and in, in putting themselves. Well let me ask it. you
2: this. How do you feel about people using a platform? You know, he got not, you know, he was given the humanitarian award, which I understand why he was given the award but are you okay overall with people giving, I guess, platform speeches like this, um, on award shows?
1: Well, I mean, sure, of course, I mean, we, we have gone, you know, we as a as a community and it doesn't matter what color you are. Um, we've gotten away from those type of things. We used to, you know, use shows and awards banquets and things of that nature to say things that need to be heard. Um, so, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that. You know, we've been using social media. But um, time where you got to speak out. And I think he's doing an outstanding job by speaking out and trying to, you know, he doesn't need to be the only one. I mean, somebody got to pick up the torch. And we've said this on many, many different shows in the past, um, that somebody, you know, Martin Luther King laid down the, the groundwork and he passed the torch on, when, you know, by giving his life. So somebody else has got to pick it up. You know, and, you know, all the old activists are pretty much gone now with Harry Belafonte endorsing this guy. I think that speaks volumes. So, you know, there needs to be others to pick up the torch because the struggle's not over. So, you know, it's good to see that he's stepping out and using, you know, using his status, his uh, celebrity, if you will, and stepping out there. And he doesn't care who's, you know, who cares, you know, who he fans and whatnot. So, you know he's saying what needs to be heard and there needs to be others that you know step into the forefront as well
2: okay well um i mean i knew about jesse williams from watching gray's anatomy um a couple of years ago i kind of started watching it when i was dating someone who watched it and i mean i saw i knew of the guy but I mean, I, I he he's a he, I, he has uh, my support. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of his for sure now, uh, because I thought it was a great speech and I thought he hit a lot of great points. I don't think he really missed anything. And and Chris, well, one last thing, and we'll wrap things up. How much of an impact would it have on us as a black society if people gave speeches like this, like in the churches? Because to me, I think the churches have gotten away <laughs> from. Social consciousness um, Because We just we don't talk about the real Anymore we don't we don't in my Opinion I'm not I can't speak for every church But churches that I've been to We don't seem to have that Social social conscious or awareness Now if people were speaking about This on a regular basis wouldn't we be Better as a black society overall
4: Well you know I suppose So because you know that's where The majority of the black community um gather they gather as a church um however um yeah the church has moved away from you know the days of dr martin luther king and have moved more into the mega churches the um you know selling of their tapes and their dvds and all that kind of stuff you know on top of their tithes, whatever so it's become more of an entertainment thing than um actual social activism and and of course, you can you you that has been known because you know you have these big, beautiful churches, whether they're mega or not um inside of poor, poor communities surrounded by poverty. But, you know, the pastor drives in in a really nice car and his family and whatever. I mean, it's like, um, it's ridiculous. And And so it's obvious what their main purpose is, you know. And they rarely come from behind the pulpit out into the street of the people around them to do anything. Um, and to help anyone But you, in order to get help You must first be a member of the church I mean, you know, this isn't Costco I mean, it's supposed to be God It's supposed to be spirituality Why do I have to be a fucking member Of your goddamn church So that's, I mean, it's obvious What, what their real goal is But And yeah, but sure, there are churches who, who, who do speak I'm sure speak to their congregation But they're far and few in between That's really not the goal of the church anymore
2: Okay, okay. All right. Well, um, Crystal, I'll go ahead and let you give your final thoughts on um you want to discuss the whole gender ID thing or if you want to talk about our guest, Tommy Mabry. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Well, I
4: think it was a good show and um... – tommy um definitely has some very good viewpoints and um sounds like a very promising young man and hopefully he continues um with his journey um to help you know people like himself and, and young men and women you know into the future because you know what he had to say was was really good, so hopefully people will hear that um You know, regarding, you know, gender and all that, um, I think that what will really be good of, you know, maybe you could do a show on that if you you get some people of the LGBT community um, who have gone through it on the show to talk about it. Because I think a lot of people are talking, but they're not really connected with the community um, to know that much about the inside of it. I can only speak from, you know, my experience as a counselor and then to um psychologically what I feel is going on. But what um the what they actually go through I think a lot of people aren't really hearing. Um and then of course you have someone like Caitlyn Jenner who's out there professing all of this greatness, which is, you know, please. Um as far as, you know, Jesse Williams, um, of course, yes, I did a show about it tonight on my, my podcast on com, And mm-hmm. um <laughs> talked about that and we talked about the, uh, and also, you know, regarding that, I, I did talk a little bit about kind of the backlash um, that Justin Timberlake had, um, had gotten for simply kind of saying kudos to Jesse, and then people attacked him for yeah. even saying anything. But I thought it was ridiculous, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are you talking about? I mean, how? That's horrible, you know." Um, and then he came out and apologized, which I think he had absolutely nothing to apologize for. But I understand why he did it. But you know, it's like I'm sorry for even you know saying anything. But it's ridiculous that that kind of separatism is not going to help anything. So, um. But anyway, really good show. And um I'm assuming you're gonna be on blog top radio for a little bit anyway, so at least that's good to know there's no um missing of the show. So hopefully I will be here next week.
2: All right, yeah, nothing's changing yet. But uh we'll we'll see what evolves. But uh Appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Mm-hmm. And Buck, I know you got in late, man. You have anything? Well, actually, Buck just dropped off. So he doesn't have anything. So, <laughs> but I appreciate it, Crystal. And my thanks to author Tommy Mabry for joining the show tonight. You can get his book, A Dark Journey for a Light to a Light Future, over at TommyMabry.com or in your local bookstores. My thanks to thecrystalshow.com for being a friend of the show. Go to talktoq.com and sign up for my newsletter for upcoming changes to the show. T2Q is changing venues, and you'll need to be in touch with the website in order to keep up with what's going on. So be sure to go to talktoq.com, sign up for my email newsletter, and you'll never have to wonder what's going to happen next. I want to thank all of you for listening and participating. I hope that you have a great evening, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q?
1: What up, Radio World?
2: Hmm. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm going to live.
3: Call go ahead.
0: I, oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what I meant.
4: <laughs> you wanna be my blog
2: lover My name is Quincy. The talk to Q Radio show.
0: But I do believe that the love for money and power most of the time outweighs their
3: love for women. And
2: this is my show. Yeah, that's what I was saying too. I think myself doing a lot of toes saying Hey, what up Q?
3: What up Radio World?